Amen, and you may be seated. Let's take our Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Acts. And uh, please uh, limber up your fingers. We're going to be moving through the Scriptures uh, a little bit today. And uh, the subject of this morning's message is one of the things that is uh, makes this time of year uh, what it is, and that is memories. How many of you uh, remember what it was? Uh, I don't know if you did this, but uh, I, I remember what it was to believe in Santa Claus. Is anybody willing to admit that this morning? And you walked out in there and you saw all those things. And I, I just never could figure out how Santa Claus got those presents down the chimney that was connected to the furnace. Because uh, we didn't have a fireplace. And uh, I was smart enough to know that, you know, I, I saw it come down out of the ceiling in the basement. And I saw it go out the roof in the house. And my dad had told me where it was all hooked up. And I said, now, Dad, how does that work? I mean, the chimney goes into the furnace. Won't Santa Claus get burned up if he goes into the furnace? And, and I remember the disappointment uh, when I was finally told that there was no such thing as Santa Claus. Now, uh, anytime I say that, I always get an adult going, uh, because, you know, we, we want to believe in those kinds of things because it just talks of a better and a different world. Amen. I mean, what kind of world would it be if there actually was someone that just brought you everything you wanted? I mean, uh, we, we like that. I mean, that's better than the New York lottery, isn't it? And uh, you would have a whole lot more chance of getting what you want from him than from the New York lottery, let me tell you. Uh, don't waste your time or effort with those things. Uh, we remember the way things used to be and the memories are part of what makes us who and what we are today. And one of the most wonderful things, I, I received an email last week talking about how much it costs to raise children. And uh, the government has put this thing down and they have figured it out that uh, the average child in a middle-class family costs about $160,140 from the time they're born uh, to the time they leave for college. That doesn't count college tuition or any of those expenses. And uh, say, man... That's pretty cool. If I had all that to spend, I'd be a millionaire, wouldn't I? And uh, uh, it doesn't have to cost that much. But then they went through and, and did some things on the other side of that and said, now what do you get for this money invested in these children's lives? And, and it lists several of things. You get naming rights. You get to name the child. And you get to watch them take their first step and grow up. And you get to do all of these things. But... The one thing that really I liked about that email was, as a parent, you never have to grow up. You still get to fly kites and read the stories of Pooh and Piglet, and uh, you get to watch cartoons, and you get to do things uh, with your children because that's what parents do, amen? And so as a parent, you never have to grow up. You can always enjoy 
the childy side of life and you've got the most wonderful excuse in the world to do so, and that is a real-life child, amen, uh, to, to do all of those things. And, and we remember what it was like to be a child. It was a lot of fun back then, wasn't it? Life was easier. I keep informing my oldest son. I said, wait till you start paying the grocery bills. I bet your eating habits will change when you have to lay out the moolah at the grocery store. And, uh, and, and you know, things happen as we get older and, and we get cynical and sometimes we, we just get so caught up in the struggles and the cares of this life that we forget to live. And yet Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And that life more abundantly not just abundantly more abundantly now be careful you have the john avanzini's of this world who said jesus wore a rolex watch and dressed in designer jeans and had so much money that he hired 12 men to take care of it for him uh, i'll tell you that guy needs to get an education in a book called the bible amen uh, that was not Jesus's purpose that was not his desire Jesus was not concerned with the things of this world he was the creator of all of them. Do you think he's going to be fascinated by uh, something that man has made when he made man? I mean, come on, let's get a life here. Jesus came to give us life, amen? Because he is life. In him was what? Light. And that light was the life. Of men. Now, as we talk about memories and remembering things, there's some biblical precedents for that. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, by the way, still God's chosen people. God does not rescind his promises. He works, he is working with the Jewish people. By the way, they're in their land today. Just coincidental, right? No. God still is working with Israel. But in the Old Testament, there was one man that stood out in the nation of Israel, literally head and shoulders above all the others, spiritually speaking. That was David. And that's where we're going to start this morning. Acts chapter 13 in verse 22, Acts chapter 13, verse 22, this is one of Paul's sermons, and he is speaking to Jewish men and women here, and he is giving them the testimony of their faith and how that Jesus is a fulfillment of that. In verse 22, we just want to pick this up. And when he had removed him, talking about Saul... He raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Now we have... Paul, as he is preaching, he said, I want to make the connection between the Old Testament 
and the new. And as we go back to the Old Testament, there were great men in the Old Testament. We have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We have David, Moses, many of the prophets. But as you read through the books of Chronicles, how many, don't raise your hand, but just if you've been keeping up with your Bible reading schedule, you'll, you'll have, have finished several months ago uh, the books of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles. That happened actually during the summer and, and into the early fall. Uh, you would have read through those books, and you're going to find repeated, especially in the book of Kings, so-and-so died and so-and-so began to reign and he did like unto his father David. One was uh, several of them and he did not like unto his father David but sought after his own heart and worshipped his own gods. But David was held up as a standard. I remember when uh, Sharon graduated she high school she had asked me to speak at her graduation and uh, we were in a park outside uh, the city of Cincinnati, Ohio and I'm not going to tell you how many years ago that was because I don't want you guessing her age but uh, uh, one of the, the things, the main verse that I used uh, in that time was one I want us to just take a few minutes this morning and look at the book of Nehemiah Nehemiah chapter 12, if you've gotten to Job, you went too far. Nehemiah chapter 12, and I want to read a verse out of Second Chronicles chapter 29 before there, but just go to Nehemiah and hold on there for a moment. Twice in the Bible do we find that the instruments of David was used, and so... Uh, I'm going to read the first one to you out of Second Chronicles 29, verse 26. It says, And the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priest with the trumpet, and Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshipped, and the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. Now we have here the passage I just read you was King Hezekiah. He was bringing the people of Judah back to their God. And what he did was he went through the storehouses, he went through the dark musty rooms that had been sealed up for years, and he found those musical instruments that David the king, the man after God's own heart, had carved and wrought with his own hands and brought those things out of the storage and they played on those instruments. It would be Hezekiah's own son, Manasseh, who was such a wicked king that God said, there's no more remedy. I am going to remove them out of the land and destroy the city of Jerusalem because of the wickedness of these people who claim to be my people. Yet God in His mercy brought them back to the land. 
70 years of captivity. They were brought back out of the city of Babylon and they began rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. It would be another 120 or so years after that that this man named Nehemiah would come along. We are now 500 plus years after the days that David walked on this earth. And in Nehemiah chapter 12, in verse 36, as they are regathering the hearts of the people and worshiping God again for the first time in years and years, look what it says in verse 36. And his brethren, Shemaniah and Azarel and Malai and Gilali and um, Mai and Nethaniel and Judah and Hanani with the musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra the scribe before them. And at the fountain gate, which is over against them, they went up by the stairs of the city of David at the going up of the wall above the house of David, even unto the water gate. And the other company of them that gave thanks went over against them, and I after them, and half the people upon the wall from beyond the tower of the furnaces, even unto the broad wall. Now here's what was happening. Nehemiah had in his heart to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. They had just finished rebuilding the wall. And Nehemiah had divided the people along with Ezra the scribe, who was of the family of the priest, had divided the people into the two groups. And I do not know how these instruments had been preserved for over 500 years, even through the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the carrying out uh, of the goods of the temple all to the city of Babylon. But these instruments had been preserved. And they brought them out and divided the people into two groups and they began to march around the city wall singing praises to God until those two groups met each other on top and they used the musical instruments that belonged to David. Why did they do that? Because he was the man of God. You know, there's just some time in our life We have a, uh, let me just, there's a time in our life when we need to get back to what's real. Amen? Memories don't have to be a horrible thing. They can be a wonderful thing. If they're the right kind of memories. Now you read in uh, the children of Israel, uh, as they were wandering in the wilderness, they began to think of what life was like in Egypt. And they said, we want to go back to the sin and we want to go back to the world and God's judgment came upon them for that. But here we've looked several times as in the Old Testament these people kept going back to the things that they knew was right. They knew David was the man after God's own heart. Amen. Now David, was he a perfect man? Nope. David wasn't perfect. But he was the man that God chose. And David's life characterized, even though he sinned, his life characterized service and love for God. And they went back and they got those same old instruments out. 
500 and some odd years later after David had carved them. And they began to tune them up and play those same instruments as they walked around the city wall and gave praise unto God. We're in the Christmas season. The older you get, the more memories you have. In fact, it'll probably get to the point to where you'll have more memories than anything else as you get older. And yet, what I would like for us to do is just think about some things getting back to what not Christmas is all about. You've got to remember, Christmas is a man-made holiday. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Jesus wasn't born on Christmas. Sorry to burst your bubble there. Uh, the wise men didn't show up till two years later. We've been through this stuff. But let's get back to the heart of things. David was the man after God's own heart. That tells me something about David's heart. Amen. Have you ever gone anywhere without your heart? Somebody wrote a song said, I left my heart in San Francisco. Well, if you did, you didn't survive the experience. Amen. And he was still singing, so I imagine he took his heart with him. Uh, It's kind of a hard thing to to leave your heart somewhere and and you go somewhere else. In fact, the only time that that actually works is when you're dead and you've been willing to donate your heart to somebody else and then they take it and it's transplanted in them and they go on living. But in order for that to happen, you got to die first. And and so, uh, you know... Uh, wherever you go, your heart goes with you, amen? And if you really stop and think about it, we live in a land where if you set your heart upon something, you can get it. You ever think about that? If you set your heart upon having one of those Jane Bond version BMW sports cars that does everything but wash dishes. Uh, and it'll do that if you could back it into the kitchen table there. Uh, landlord might get upset. But, I mean, there are people who set their hearts on those things. That's, that's what their life is about. They're going to get that car. You know what? that's what you want, you can get it. I went to a uh, financial seminar a little while ago. I took uh, Brother uh, Ted and Franz with me. and That man proved beyond any shadow of a doubt, if you want to be a millionaire, if that's what you want, you can, you can be a millionaire in this country. It's not that hard. You, you can have all the money you want, if that's what you want. You set your heart on something, you can get it if you want it bad enough. Now, you might have to be willing to give up some things to get it. There's nothing that you can, that you can desire that's not going to cost you something. They tell me Bill Gates 
has this huge, sprawling house. Part of it's underground. And he's got it all hooked up with special uh, security doors. And there's parts of that house that not even his own wife and children can get into that only Bill Gates himself has access to. It costs something to have all that stuff. The question is, what is your heart set on today? David. David was the standard bearer of the Old Testament. He was the man that every king was compared to. Did they walk in the ways of the Lord like David? Now, David was an adulterer and a murderer. He is the example of the extremes that the human heart is capable of. Yet God said, he's the man after my own heart. What were the things that David's heart was set upon? I'll tell you, when David met Goliath, how many of you remember that story? Remember David and Goliath? Do you remember what David said when he heard Goliath's challenge? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that thinks he can blaspheme the God of Israel? He said, is there not a cause... You see, David was concerned about God. He was concerned about the way other people treated God and the way that God was viewed by other people. And letting this big oaf Goliath, even though he was nine foot six inches tall and probably weighed 700 pounds, who cares how big he is? He is blaspheming God. And that's what David was upset about. You know, God's concerned about his name. He's not a curse word, my friend. Somebody wrote a track years ago, God's last name is not damn. That's very true. We shouldn't go around just going, oh my God this and oh my God that. That's not prayer. That's not concern for God and His holiness. We better be careful how we use that name. And here we have David I, talking about the man after God's own heart. Let's talk about the heart for a few more minutes here and we'll move on. But Romans chapter 10, verse 10. How many know that verse? If you know it, say it with me. For with what? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness... And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Let's try that again. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You can talk all you want. But until you're willing to believe with your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not have Bible salvation. It's not a religious experience. It is a giving of your life and who you are to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how simple it is. 
It is believing on Him with your heart. Amen. Let me read you a verse. But God be thanked that while ye were the servants of sin, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, I'm sorry, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. He said, I'm thankful that you were the servants of sin, but now you've obeyed from the heart what's been delivered to you from this book called the Bible, from God's Word. Ephesians 6, 6 says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God. How? From the heart. You know, God cares about some things. He cares, number one, about the salvation of souls. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all men should come to repentance. Amen? God cares so much about your salvation, He sent His Son to be born of the Virgin, to live 33 and a half years here on this earth, never once to sin, only to be spit upon and scorned by the very men He created and nailed to a cross and died to pay the price for our sins so we could go free. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. First question I have for you this morning. What is your heart set on? I hope it's not an Xbox 360. Or a video iPod. Or whatever the next new thing is. I hope it, your heart is not set on something you can hold in your hands. I hope your heart is set upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who loved you and gave himself for you. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. And I want us to start reading in verse uh, 13. Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in him, in us, I'm sorry, unto him be glory, where? In the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, and all God's people said. Did you get the import of that passage? 
Here Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he says, listen, I'm going through some tribulation. I'm going through some suffering. Uh, and part of the reason why I am suffering is so I can build you up in the faith. But I want you to understand that God is doing a work. He's going to strengthen you in the inner man. He's going to do that, <coughs> excuse me, by His Spirit that Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? By faith. To know the love of Christ. We live in a world that talks about love. And yet, how little of true love do we experience in this world? People say, you see it etched all over the place. John and uh, Georgette, whatever. T-L-A. How many know what T-L-A stands for? Anybody know what T-L-A stands for? True love always. And right next to it, it's John and Joan, T-L-A. wonder if it's the same John. Never think about that. I mean, I always wonder whenever I see T-L-A, I wonder how long it lasted. We're talking weeks, maybe days. Somebody that loves somebody so much, they're going to etch their name in the paint on the steel of the bridge. Um, I would say we probably measure that love in moments rather than in lifetimes. Amen? Say, Pastor, why do you make fun of that? Because it's such a joke. High school students have no idea what true love always means. Most adults have no idea what true love always means. You can say, well, well Pastor, I'm, I'm a married adult. I've been married for 25 years. Well, how many of them have been filled with true love always? Oh, uh, well, got to think about that a minute. Uh-oh. There's some problems. It says that we can know, that we can comprehend and know and understand the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you can be filled with the fullness of God. That starts when your heart gets centered on the things that God gets centered on. But where does that happen? Unto Him be glory. Where? In the church. Now, am I just pulling a verse out of context? I don't think so. That's why we're assembled here together this morning. To bring glory to Jesus Christ in the church. That's why we sing the songs we sing. I don't want to sing in 7-Eleven songs. You know what a 7-Eleven song is, right? We've been over this before. It's seven words you say 11 times. And you just sit there and repeat it over and over and over again. And... Uh, you know, halfway asleep and, oh, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. I mean, if you talk to your wife that way, would she believe you? Hmm? Guys, if you came home and your wife just met you at the door and says, 
Henry, I love you, I love you, I love you. Henry, 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 I love you, I love you, I love you. He would say, now, now, dear, I don't think you've been using drugs, have you? Did you, did you fall and hit your head? Are you okay? I mean, we ought to tell people we love each other, amen? But when you just sit there and repeat it over and over again, it loses its importance. You ought to know how to tell somebody you love them without using the words. Amen? We ought to be able to demonstrate that in the way we live. And that's one of the reasons why it's snowy outside and you had to brave the weather and all of the problems and we come together. Why? Because it's important to bring glory to Jesus in the church. It ought to be a priority in your life. Because it was a priority in Jesus' life. He loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen? You ought to be interested in the things that are on God's heart. That's how we can know our hearts in the right place. Uh, we're in the book of Ephesians. Just turn over the page to chapter 5. Uh, and want to spend just a few minutes here in verse 19. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. When is the last time you just walked down the street, sitting at your table, and a song just began pouring out of your heart and your soul? I'm talking about the kind of song that says something to God. Amen? How about that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Pretty Good Person Like Me. That's not what it says. It says it saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. You see, when my heart is right with God, I see myself for who I am. That ain't much. But God still loved me, amen? That's where I find my self-esteem. I don't have to lie to myself and tell myself how good I look and how wonderful I am. And Man, I'm as strong as I was when I was 19, liar. It doesn't work that way. We love to lie to ourselves. And when we get tired of lying to ourselves and stop believing ourselves, we hire a psychologist for 300 bucks an hour and let him lie to us. Isn't that the way it works? It's not what real life ought to be about, amen? It says here, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's one of the things I love about this time of the year, the Christmas season. Oh, they've got a lot of trashy songs out there. And they, they love singing about Santa Claus and Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, and, and all those things. You ever? I mean, we don't have time this morning, but stop and think about those stories. I mean, Rudolph is really a horrible story. He was shunned and despised and hated by everybody until his glowing nose would help everybody out and then they liked him. 
That's a real worldly story, my friend. You know what? God loved me, but I could never help him out. He doesn't need my nose to light up so he can see through the fog. He can see all by himself. Amen. He, he doesn't need me to help him in, in any way. I can't enrich God with anything that I can do. But he gives me the privilege of worshiping him if I'll set my heart on the things that are on his heart. And he'll put a song in my heart. I mean, we live in a depressing world, don't we? Could you stop and think about those words? One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to the tree, suffering anguish, despised and rejected. But one day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Oh, I love that song. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. What, I can't remember all the rest of the words. I'm, my mind's running short this morning. I'm sorry. Buried, he carried my sins far away. I mean, the words of those songs, they mean something. I love We Three Kings of Orient are. King and God and sacrifice. Nobody could dream up something that good. Amen? Only God could put something like that. And you can sing those songs in your heart. And they'll encourage you and keep you going when nothing else will. Because we're worshiping the Lord wherever we are. You ought to let those words reach past your desire to swing with the beat. You ought to let the message... The thing I love about those hymns, anybody can sing the hymns. You can sing them if you want to. You say, Pastor Montour, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I can't even play the radio without static. Well, uh, you just open your mouth and start singing along, and guess what? It won't be long before everybody's carrying you right with them. And the neat thing about singing together is you don't have to listen to yourself. Amen? I, I cannot stand to listen to my voice on tape. I'm sorry. It just bothers me. I don't, I don't like it. Uh, but I'll tell you, when I sing those songs, I'm not listening to me. I'm, I'm making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And that's what this is about. And music is important. It's all through the Bible. Remember David, the man after God's own heart. What did he do? He made those instruments that they were using 550-some years later. We need to get a hold of this thing and use and set our heart on the church, on the music. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 2 and we'll be done this morning. Jesus was talking to the church at Ephesus actually here. The same church that we just read several verses out of the epistle. 
And he says, Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus, verse 1, Write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience for my name's sake. Hast labored and hast not fainted? Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. He said, Church, Ephesus, you're my church. I know everything that's going on at the church at Ephesus. I'm keeping track of what goes on in my church because it's near and dear to my heart. And he says, you're doing a lot of things right. He says, nevertheless, he said, I have somewhat against thee. He says, you've left your first love. He said, that heart isn't where it used to be. Now, this was the church that was speaking to themselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I mean, that's what Paul told them, amen? I mean, they had it right. They were a church. They were serving. They were doing it. And he said, you've left your first love. Now, here's the, here's the cure. Here's the answer. It says, verse 5, it says, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Get your thinker out and remember. Do you remember a time in your life when it wasn't such a burden to show up for church? Uh-oh. Do you remember a time in your life when they weren't, oh, those old hymns, I wish pastor would get up to date. We have no intention of getting up to date, ever. Because I want to remember, I, I like to live in the past, amen? I don't want to have to remember the way it once was and ask God to straighten me out so I can get back to the way it once was. One of the reasons why Christmas is such a depressing time of the year for many is they remember all the rotten things that they've done and all the people they've hurt and all the things that have happened that they can't undo. And those memories just close in on them. Well, here's the cure. It says, repent. Now, that's a good Bible word, amen? The word repent, it simply means that I get something done here that changes things down here that changes things down in my shoes. Repentance that does not change the way you live is nothing but a gain. Does that mean you're going to be perfect? Well, we wish it did. He's talking to the church here. He's talking to saved people. People have been washed in the blood. He said, you've got to repent again. Not of your first sins. I've already taken care of those. He said, you've got to repent of the fact that you've lost your first love. 
And it doesn't say lost, I'm sorry, it says left. That, that, boy, there's, there's a whole sermon right there in that word, isn't there? I mean, we like to think of things, we, we fall into love and we fall out of love. No, you do not. It doesn't work that way with God. Love is a choice. Jesus chose to go to the cross. And you must choose Him as your Savior. Or He's not your Savior. And just as you chose Him as your Savior, you can leave that first love. Happens in a lot of marriages, doesn't it? They get used to each other. Things fall into a pattern, take people for granted. Guess what? It happens to the Lord too. That's why He uses the picture of the husband and wife to help us understand the church's relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, repent. You've got to realize that's sin. If you're married today and that spouse, that husband or wife of yours isn't the most special person in the whole wide world, you better wake up and repent of your sin or you're going to have problems in your marriage. If you're here today and the Lord Jesus Christ isn't the most wonderful person in your life, you've got to wake up and repent of your sin. And here's what it says. And do the first works. Remember when you got saved? Boy, you couldn't wait to get to church for the next service. You couldn't wait for the next discipleship class to learn more about the Bible. You couldn't wait to get home from work so you could open up that book called the Bible and, and see what God had for you stuffed in those pages. Now I'm too busy, Ed. I'll catch up on my Bible reading next week. Honest, Lord, it, it's Christmas break. That'll be my gift to you is I'll catch up on my Bible reading schedule. That's not the way it ought to be. You see, the works are our service to the Lord. And the reason why we serve God is not because God's going to get out a list and if you haven't done enough good things, you're going to lose your salvation. Praise God. He's not like that. Amen. But we serve a God that wants us to serve Him because we love Him. To serve Him because He's done so much for us. So this morning as you see the snow, remember what it was like to be a kid and go sled riding and have all that fun and carefree and, and just enjoy the things of life. Jesus came to give us a more abundant life. He said, but you need to remember where you came from. Just like the man of David. His heart, it was after God's heart. Amen. His music, 
they were still playing his instruments and playing his songs 550 years later. Doesn't sound like a contemporary worship service to me, amen? Jesus, his heart is where? In the church. That's where he's glorified. That's where we learn about him. That's where we have the opportunity to bring glory to the God of heaven. That's where we can come in worn down with all the cares of this world and we can remember and say, you know, it used to not be this way. Why am I this way? The Bible says, wake up and repent of what has gone on in your life and just start doing the things that you used to do. Now, if you've never done the right things, you've never been saved, well, you got to start somewhere get saved. Amen. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. It's that simple. And then we live for God day by day. It should be a joy to serve Jesus, not a burden. If it is, we got a problem. The heart, the music, the service, the church, the things Jesus was interested in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we ask that you would take this message this morning and, Lord, use it to change the way we think and live. Lord, I pray that if there be one here today that does not know you as their Savior, Lord, I pray that you would have freedom to help them understand that you love them. You've paid for their sin. There's nothing they can do to pay for their sin. And that they simply need to give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for the rest of us in here. That we would not allow ourselves to make our service to you a drudgery. Lord, that you would allow us to serve you from the heart that we would love the things you love, be excited about the things you're excited about, that we would sing the music you like, worship you your way, that we would totally surrender everything about ourselves, make it subject to your word, joyfully. In your name we pray, amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation this morning is one most of us know well, 562. The words say, Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. If you're unsaved today, that's the only way you're going to find salvation. If you're saved today and you've left your first love, that's the only way you're going to get it back. As we sing, will you come? Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. 
and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come, just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blood to thee whose blood can cleanse each vital lamb of God I come I come we'll just have the piano continue to play bow your head where you are but if you need to come don't stay in your seat If you're not sure about your salvation, would you let someone take this book called the Bible and show you how you can know your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home? God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I want to take just a few moments and remind you of some of the things that are happening. Very busy week this week. Uh, tonight at uh, 5 o'clock, uh, we have a members meeting, the Lord's Supper. That is uh, uh, a meeting that is open only to the members of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and we would uh, ask that if at all possible you be here tonight at 5 o'clock uh, that will be followed by our evening service and prayer meeting and then our regular service uh, Thursday night now Friday night is what we call a sing now a sing is just where you come and you listen to people sing, and you sing yourself, and bring some instruments, and we're going to, uh, uh, it's kind of a last-minute thing, but we had a group of, of uh, uh, it's just a small part of the Crown College Choir, about 25 or so people are coming, and uh, uh, they haven't told me how many songs they're going to have, but I hope it's a, a good number. And uh, we're going to do our best to add a few to that. I talked to Brother Shaw, and I said, we want at least one song in Portuguese, please. And uh, if uh, you sing in another language, and you can be here Friday night, we, we would love to add some of those things to the schedule. 
uh, I, I, I want to be honest with you, I want it to be a relaxed time. Uh, I want us just to be able to come in and sit down and sing some of the Christmas carols. And if we sing them twice, that's okay. Uh, it's not going to bother me. I hope it doesn't bother you. And enjoy the music and the fellowship. Um, if you cook, maybe you could make a batch of cookies or a dessert of some kind and bring it with you. If you don't or don't have time, do the next best thing. Uh, now, if I had to cook, I would go to the bakery and buy something and put it in my own case. No, I wouldn't lie. I'd just bring it in the bakery box and, and uh, let you know that, uh, that uh, you'll enjoy it a whole lot more if it comes from the bakery than it does from my hands. Amen? Uh, but uh, we'll just set up some tables in the basement and put on the coffee pot and some hot chocolate or whatever else we can find. And, and uh, we'll just have a good time. Amen? Christian fellowship. We haven't done this in a while. And uh, Brother Clayton will preach to us that night. And uh, so it, it'll just be um, a, a wonderful time. Next Sunday, Brother Clayton will be preaching all day. And if you've never heard Brother Clayton preach, you need to be here to hear Brother Clayton preach. Uh, I enjoy hearing him preach. And uh, then uh, December 17th, write this down on your schedule from 3 to 5. Uh, is going to be a children's program. It's going to be uh, sponsored <clears throat> by all the churches that meet in the building here. And uh, Brother Shaw is really heading it up. And uh, I got rave reviews from the last one, and I saw some of the practices and things they're doing. Uh, this one's going to be incredible. Uh, in fact, uh, if it weren't during visitation time, I think I'd be down there watching just for my own enjoyment. It's gonna, it looks like it's going to be a really wonderful time for the children. And uh, that's, uh, there's some flyers there. The workers... Uh, schedules and things. We finally got those out. They're on the visitor table. Um, also, just one thing. I I don't like selling things in the church, but uh, uh, if you listen to the piano music we were playing before the service, that, that was produced by Heartland, the faculty and staff there. Uh, if you would like one of those, we could make it available to you through the church. It's 12 bucks. You don't have the money today. Just give me your name, and we'll order them this week, and you can drop it in next week. It's uh, just a uh, beautiful CD uh, of uh, music there. And uh, tonight, also at the members' meeting, members will be uh, putting together our schedule for the Christmas holidays and also be talking to you about the poinsettias and all of those things. We'll, we'll just take care of that this evening. And um, so uh, that's all I can think of there. If we could have our ushers come at this time, we'll receive this morning's offering. <clears throat> 